Today we're going to continue our series in the parables of Jesus by looking at the parable of the weeds. This one would be, I think, a little more difficult to understand, but Jesus offers again an explanation for us, just like last week as we saw the parable of the sower, where Jesus explained it to his disciples. He's going to do that again for us, which makes our life a little easier. Remember, parables are designed to be difficult in their understanding. They're not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be something that the story is told, whether it's true or not, whether it happened or not, and then you're supposed to try to glean a meaning from that story. That's what a parable is. And so the parable Jesus tells today, I think, would have been extraordinarily difficult for us and for his first hearers to understand if he doesn't, he didn't offer an explanation for it. So we find the parable of the weeds in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start there in verse 24. Jesus begins with us, with us finding out that Jesus is, again, telling, telling parables. It says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. So again, we have an agricultural story. Of course, Jesus' first hearers are going to know all about agriculture, right? And, and the story is, a farmer goes and plants his wheat field, by hand probably. He plants that field, knows every seed and where it went. And then in the night, his enemy comes and, and adds to his, his planting. Instead of planting anything good, he plants, plants weeds. First of all, uh, that his enemy has a lot of energy, right? So if you're going to get payback on someone, I don't think I'd be walking someone's entire field planting seeds. I don't know that I would do that if I was a, re- a vengeful person. Uh, either I'm lazy or he's got a lot of energy, one or the other, but it seems like there's a lot of work just to get some revenge. Now, the speculation on what those weeds are has, has, has been since the beginning. Our greatest guess is that it's referred to as Darnell, D-A-R-N-E-L. It usually grows in the same production zone as wheat. And it's a very serious weed. The problem with it is it looks just like wheat until it gets up, dries, and goes and is ready to harvest. Then it can be sorted out. But until that point, it's hard to see. It's hard to detect what is the good plant, what's wheat, and what is this Darnell. It says the similarity between these two plants is so great that in some regions, darnel is referred to as false wheat. It bears a close resemblance to wheat until the ear appears. The problem with it is it, it's not good. And, and on the, what they've realized is they thought the weed, the, the weed itself, this darnel, would cause bad reactions. What they realize is that on the weed, it gets in, infected by this fungus that when we as human beings eat it, it causes us to become nause, nauseated and appear as, if those, as though we're drunk causes dizziness, and it can actually lead to death. So it's really, rather fatal. I looked up at the USDA today, too, and it, it's in Idaho, just so you know. It's, been, it's here. So. Today, we have modern cultivation equipment, and we can tell the difference between the seeds, even if they're harvested together, right? So we're not nearly as, as susceptible to being sick by this plant. The problem with the, when the story happens is they don't have that. And so when the harvest comes, they're going to have to meticulously go through every one of these plants and pick it to make sure it's separated from the wheat. If not, they could cause harm to themselves or to whomever they're going to sell the, the wheat crop to. So it's very serious what this enemy has done to this farmer, right? This man went through this field, cultivated it, did all the hard work, planted it, was ready for it, and all of a sudden, these weeds appear. The story continues, Jesus says, 
servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? Should we get rid of these weeds now? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. What else I learned about Darnell is that its, its roots grow in together with the roots of wheat, so they intermix together. So the problem that the, the farmer has is if he goes through and pulls the weeds, this Darnell, most likely, he's going to pull healthy wheat plant with it. So the farmer says, no, we're going to wait to the end. When we're going to pull the weed up anyways, we'll wait to the end, then we'll separate between them. What they're going to use is they're going to use the weeds as fuel, right? They're going to burn it. The weed, of course, they'll bring into the barn. It's important to remember that. It says that Jesus says at the end of verse 30, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So we're going to get rid of the weeds, we're going to burn them, but the wheat we'll collect and bring into the barn. Now, the parable ends there. That's not an easy parable. Some, some parables are a little easier than others. This is not an easy one. This is difficult to understand. And Jesus' first disciples thought the same thing. And so they come to him in verse 36 after the crowds have gone and ask him for an explanation. The, but the scripture says this. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And our response is, yes, please. Right? Well, what are you talking about? So Jesus answers them. Verse 37. It says, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. Referring, of course, to himself. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. You read that, you go, whoa, right? There's a lot going on in this little story about weeds and wheat and harvest. There's a lot happening there. This is no joke. It says, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. Right? That's Jesus. Jesus is sowing seeds. His ministry, of course, on earth, what was he doing? Sowing seeds. It says, the field, of course, is the world. The good seed are those who hear Jesus' words. We talked about it. The good soil. The parable of the soils last week, right? That one who's the good productive, fertilized soil, is ready to hear it, take it to heart, and live it out. Those are the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. Because the harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. A lot happening. Let's reread the story then, knowing what we know. The servants asked Jesus, remember before, asked the farmer, do you want us to go and pull them up? Pull these weeds up, who we now know are People who have been inflicted with this evil desire to do what is wrong and bad, right? The farmer's response is no. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat, which are people of the kingdom. People who put their faith, their trust, their hope in this Jesus. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Harvest, of course, we know is time of judgment. End of the age, right? That time... I will tell the harvesters, who we know are angels, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The story's deep. Great meaning. The one thing we can't, the one detail we can't let slip is the fact 
that the weeds and the wheat grow together. They both appear to be growing good and strong. And how often do we see people who do what's wrong, whose motives are impure and false, and how often do we see those people thrive? They get the promotion. They've got the great job. They've lied, cheated, and stepped on everybody to get there, but they've got it all, right? From, as we look at them from outward appearances, it appears as though they have everything someone could want. Notice that Jesus is saying these two kinds of people are going to look a little bit alike. Are they not? Remember, the darnel and the wheat look very similar to each other until it comes time for the harvest. I take great comfort in the fact that God knows the difference. That we might not always be able to tell right away. It might appear as though that person is good and great and they say all the right things because those people tend to be able to do that, right? They have silver tongues. They say all the right kind of things, but their hearts are far from God. And as we cry out for God's justice on those type of people, we have to remember that God sees it all. And that while we can't see each other's hearts or the hearts of those other people, God can. And so the person who might claim to be a Christian, the person who might take the name of Jesus but does all kinds of terrible things, God sees it all. And what the story tells us is that in the end, it isn't going to be so good for those people, is it? Jesus doesn't mince words here. We often turn Jesus kind of into this like pacifist, hippie-looking guy. I don't know why we do that when we read the Gospels. Jesus is about love, but he's also about justice. His love certainly outweighs the justice, but he's about justice too. And he tells a story here about heaven and hell. He continues that story in verse 40. As the weeds, we know who those people are, are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus does not mince words. He says, as those weeds are pulled up, when the, when the time of judgment comes, they will be taken to a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and it's really, really hot. Jesus is describing hell. Jesus, as a matter of fact, is the one who speaks about hell most in the Bible, especially the New Testament. He almost is the exclusive one. James brings it up once. Other than that, it's Jesus who brings this idea of hell up. Hell, of course, is a place of eternal punishment. Heaven, the opposite, a place of eternal reward. And far too often, we, we get scared of discussing the topic because it hurts people's feelings. God has no desire to send people to hell. Not his desire. But you and I have been given this ability to choose. We have what we refer to as free will. And we can choose good. We can choose evil. We can choose God. We can choose our own way or the way of the devil. The way of the devil 
Jesus tells us, ends in destruction. The way of God, of course, ends in life. Now, luckily for you and me, the story is, is really good. The Apostle Paul actually explains it really well in the book of Romans. I mean, you could read the whole book of Romans and he explains it really well, but we won't do that because I know you don't have the time. In Romans chapter 3, Paul describes to us exactly what what Jesus has done for us. See, the problem with this scenario is technically, if we want to get down to it, we're all weeds until we've placed our faith and our trust and our hope in this Jesus. We're all weeds. None of us are wheat until we put on the righteousness of this Jesus this Christ. And the Apostle Paul has this to say in Romans 3, starting in verse 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What Paul wants us to understand is that we're all weeds. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all weeds until we put on, until we place our faith, our hope, and our trust in this Jesus. Because if you're planning on the day of judgment to stand on your own righteousness, you're in serious trouble. You're in real trouble. Because you're a weed, just like me. The Apostle Paul says you have, you've sinned and you've fallen short. And so if you're going to stand on your own good deeds, you're in real trouble. The great part is that we don't have to. That we stand on his good deeds. That Jesus' righteousness becomes ours. I don't know if I've told you this before, but I have a plan. If there's, if there's gates of heaven, I don't know if there are or not. If there are, I've got a plan. When I get there, I have to, to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and give an account of my life. My plan is this. I'm going to frantically, while I'm in line, if there's a line, this is all, remember, concocted in my imagination. I'm frantically searching for Jesus. Because when I get there, I have to stand there before the King with my knees wobbly and shaking. My plan is to say, if I can get the words out, to say simply this, I'm with him. Because that's the only way I get him. Because I'm with him. And so I'm, that's why I'm frantically searching for him, because I need him. He's the only way I get in. It's because I'm with him. Please, brothers and sisters, don't try to stand on your own righteousness. It's not all that righteous. It's not all that good. It's kind of like our wisdom. The Old Testament is described as filthy rags, right? We don't know all that much, and we're not all that great. 
But he is. He is all that great. He came and lived a perfect and sinless life and offered himself up. He offered himself up freely for you and me. And it just takes faith and trust and hope. That's the point. We put our faith and our trust and our hope in him and then his righteousness is transferred to us. And our filthy, dirty clothes are taken off and brand new, clean ones are put on because they're his. So if you're here today and you have not yet placed your faith, your hope, and your trust in this Jesus, what are you waiting for? He's it. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning. He's the end. The Apostle John told us that he was, he's the, the Word. He's the, the Logos, the living Word. And he was with God in the beginning. He's before all things. And all things have come to being through him. He's the only one who faced the cross and came back to life. He's it. Lots of people throughout history, tens, hundreds of thousands of people have been crucified. Only one of them came back to life. So please, put your hope, put your faith, put your trust, all of it, in Him. He will see you through. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in this place today and to read your word, to read this parable. Father, it's a, it's a challenging one. It can be difficult to read as we think about ourselves and where we fit into the story. God, we know that on our own, all by ourselves, we are weeds. We are the Darnell. We're toxic. We have to be removed. The good news, of course, God, is that you love us way too much to leave us that way. And your great love and your great patience with your great mercy You've put your son's righteousness on us. And all we have to do is, is put our faith and our trust and our hope in you. That you, you promised that you would change us, you would mold us, you'd transform us every day. God, we're so grateful that you do that. God, we're grateful for your son Jesus who, who offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins, paid for every single one of them on that cross. His blood was was enough. And so God, we, we put all of our hope and our trust, our future and our past in, in you, in you alone. God, would you please continue to change us and mold us and shape us into the kind of people you want us to be, people who will be lights in darkness, will shine bright for you everywhere we go. God, give us the strength this week to live a life that's worthy of the calling that we've received from you, to, to no matter where we go, to bring you with us. So you can impact others. God, we thank you and we love you and we pray all this in the powerful and healing name of your son Jesus and all God's people said, amen.